0: I what? Do you? A what? <music>
1: Welcome to Great Minds, a wine-centric podcast where two wine-loving friends take a look beyond what's in the glass. We dig a little deeper into the stories, the culture, and the history behind the wine. We even drink a little wine while we're doing it. I'm Julie
0: Glenn. Hey, why not? I'm Gina Birch. Uh, Today we get to talk to the person who is behind what is in our glass. What is in your glass, you might be asking. Well, let me tell you, a beautiful Napa cab from Sullivan Rutherford Estate. And on the phone with us is the man behind it, Juan Pablo Torres Padilla. Thank you for joining us, JP. We can call you JP, right? We've been talking long yeah. enough for we can uh, We go way sure. back. Yeah, we go way back. We go back 10 minutes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Please do. And thank you, Gina Julie, to have me. It's a pleasure being here with you.
0: Yes. Well, we appreciate you taking the time out. You know, 2020 sure has been a, a crazy year, and I wish we could do this in person. So we're looking forward to to next time being able to do that. Um, You know, you recently acquired, recently being in the last couple of years, Sullivan uh, Sullivan Rutherford Estate. And this is um, a winery that was founded back in the 70s. So kind of give us a little background on how you ended up where you are now. Because it's a a pretty big deal. And it's a cool story.
2: It is indeed, actually. And I was very lucky because... I was exposed to wine uh, since I was very young. My grandfather started pouring me wines when I was like 10 or 12 years old, which is kind of illegal in this country, I guess. But but you uh, weren't
0: in a lot this of, country. <laughs> a lot of, yeah,
2: I guess that's right. Still, I think it was still illegal in, back in Mexico. But, uh, but I mean, joke aside, I think <laughs> that uh, that is really a privilege in terms of being exposed to wine from from a, a very young age, um, and then I, I was actually in a position to move to France during uh, the past uh, 18 years of my life, actually. So I, I spent pretty much half of my life in France until I moved here to California a few years ago, and that obviously helped me also being in a lot of contact with wine regions in all across Europe, mostly France, Italy, and Spain. But uh, at some point, I um, thought, okay, if wine is such a passion for me, why couldn't I make this life project? I was working in Telecom, and I was working in software, artificial intelligence software, at, uh, at some point. And then I said, okay, why couldn't we make this uh, um, a live project? And I came to Napa for a variety of reasons. We, we actually started a, a search in France but when I came to Napa, I, I immediately fell in love with the, with the valley. Mm-hmm. Basically, I mean, for, for many reasons, as you know, it's a beautiful place. But basically, because of that perfect blend, if we're talking about wine, I guess this is a good analogy, because of that perfect blend between old world and new world. Winemaking is, is an old world tradition. Humanity has been making wine for the past 9,000 years, which is huge, and I love that. But at the same time, in California, you have that spirit of creativity, imagination, innovation, disruption in order to make things better, like always better. So, ta- so I fell in love with Napa, and that's where we started here.
1: So, JP, you were talking. You said that you were previously in artificial intelligence and you're talking about old world and the tradition of 9,000 years. Do you see a future ever where there could be any kind of AI involved in wine grape growing or wine making?
2: I do. I do, for sure. I believe there's different types of artificial intelligence. Uh, today it's obviously a word that is used very widely for many different meanings. But in reality, there is a, a, um, a set of... Uh, a set of meanings of artificial intelligence and and, and and a few of them can be for sure used all across the the wine industry in my in my opinion and we are in the process of um, starting some of the of the use of of one of the artificial intelligence technologies, which is basically data analysis like what they call deep data analysis, more for the consumers part of it, obviously, in terms of matching preference and, and how to provide a better hospitality experience to them. But uh, but I believe in terms of um when making uh elements such as the blending part and also potentially in, in in vines growing we can definitely explore that and we will explore that in the in the future.
1: But I feel like organoleptically we're just gonna have to be stuck with the human touch because I can't imagine I don't know. Did you say organoleptically? Yeah, like taste. I don't know if that's something a robot could probably do. I don't think they can grow taste buds yet. <laughs> Although I, you can I, know I, what the different um, esters and phenols and all that kind of stuff about for flavor.
2: Yes, and and I I believe that is exactly one of the points. You, you doge one of the points that I love about wine. Wine is always a mix of um, a couple of... What could be perceived as opposed elements, but they're not opposed elements. Wine is a mix of art and science on one side. Wine is a, main, it's a mix of nature and uh, human intervention. Wine is a mix of old world and new world. And actually, in, in our philosophy of uh, branding and identity, we have that kind of dichotomy, if you want. But but I completely agree with you. There is that That, that is the, the, the one of the greatest... Things in wine, I think it's that it's, it's truly a mix of of art and science. It's a mix of of human intervention and, and and nature, and and you you cannot actually neither control nor predict all of what nature does. Fortunately, because that's one of the beauty beauties of of wine. Uh, but at the same time, you have that human intervention that can go both ways between art and science. Obviously, the AI comes from a from a science perspective, but you have always that artistic part in in winemaking.
0: Mm-hmm well this is this is amazing um, we 've got in our glass right now your two thousand and seventeen estate cab, and I want to talk a little bit more about your story as well. but I just took a sip of this and i, and I, and I have to I have to talk about it right now so you know when we talk about um, Rutherford, when you hear the word Rutherford, it has a connotation or a reputation of of having characteristics of dust. You know, I hear everyone say, oh, it's Rutherford dust, you can taste it. Do you um, find that in your wines? Or tell me a little bit, actually, just let's talk about that area, the Rutherford, and and some of those characteristics.
2: Yes. Um, I remember a very interesting exchange with one of our neighbors, um, Andy Bixtoffer. Uh, When I just arrived in the valley and and when we had acquired the property Mm -hmm. uh, a few years ago, I was asking him, uh, for some reason I was asking him on the conversation, how do you say terroir in English? You know, the terroir is is, is what gives that part of the identity Mm -hmm. to the wine. And he said, I don't know, dust. So I believe that is actually what the Rutherford Dust is about. Mm -hmm. It's about the terroir and it's about the identity and the classic savory characteristic of, uh, of of the soil that gives that that allows that that balance between between power and, and elegance that our winemaker Jeff Cole and our general manager Joshua Lowell um strive to to achieve. Our winemaker joined uh Sullivan for State in two thousand thirteen under the tutelage of Scott McClough and I believe he he, he has that Experience working with uh, with top Nap Valley vineyards and winemakers uh, that allow allows him to get that um, characteristic of the of the terroir of the dust of the soil of Rutherford, which which is uh, which is an amazing characteristic of 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 the wines in general and very specifically to the 2017 vintage, which which actually for us is. is Probably the the best quality yet in, in mm. Solimans entire history that has been released D- due to that culmination of, of of truly perfect growing conditions. Obviously, until the fires, but we were lucky enough to to have the the um, um, the, the harvest before the fires. Uh, so those conditions of uh, of growing conditions, farming and and winemaking execution uh, in the twenty seventeen estate gap.
0: I definitely get that savory, dusty mm-hmm. it quality. It does taste savory. Uh, yeah, it's um. Uh, I don't know, not sage, but there's something in the back that I'm getting. And I just, I want some meats with it. I want some lamb, maybe. Mm-hmm, for sure. I want some fatty do you know what, lamb. With do you know
2: what it's called? What? Sorry to interrupt. No, please. The, the, our our winemaker, um, and, and and again, our general manager, who's, who's extremely knowledgeable in, in vineyard winemaking, so it's not the traditional general manager, as in the admin or sales party, is, 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 is truly involved in the winemaking and the vineyard uh, operations. So they, they, they have had all of these conversations with me. And then at some point a year, two years ago, as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm new in the wine business. So, I'm, I mean, I've been drinking for 30 years, but i <laughs> in the business itself. And I asked them, like, what, what is this? And, and, and they, both said that, they both said at some point, that's pleasure, That's pleasure, and that pleasure comes from that mix of um, the velvety, savory, balanced, integrated tannins. So it has a structure, it has concentration, it has power from the tannins, but the tannins are integrated. They are what they call resolved, which I think is one of the most difficult. Characteristics in a in a cab, and that's one of the main reasons why I love that property. And when I when I tasted these wines in two thousand sixteen, June two thousand sixteen, the first time, mm-hmm. I said, "Yeah, th- this is it. This is this is one of it." Because I, I I've been privileged enough in, in my life to be able to taste many great wines, obviously with with my family pouring those wines and my grandfather pouring those wines when I was young.
1: You know, your, your grandfather wines, had like, wow. Your grandfather had way better taste than my grandfather. <laughs> I just want to let you know that I
2: don't know about I don't know about that, but but, but <laughs> no. I but I know that I was very lucky, and that, that that he and and then my father and my uncles they 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 exposed me to, to to many many great wines, and I was fortunate enough to have that exposure. And when I tasted the, the wines from Sullivan, I, I said, "Wow! Like how come no one knows about these wines?" Because it is very difficult to get that balance. I know a lot of people use the word balancing wine, and that's kind of. Probably overused, but what I mean by balance, I mean that um, combination of tannins to give structure and concentration that you want in a wine, but uh, in a resolved and integrated way so that they are not aggressive. And I think that that is what you can taste in, in, in this 2017 state Cup.
0: I like this nose, too. When you say a lot of people don't know about it, this one we're drinking, you only made about 400 cases of. It retails for around ten, so... Um, I'm around what a dollar ten. I mean, a hundred and ten. A hundred. A dollar and ten cents. On my, yeah, yeah. I said like, no. like I, like,
2: I, I could buy all of them. Hundred ten. <laughs> yeah, me too. I would
0: like it all. So uh, when you were talking about um, being exposed and you were pr- privileged to being exposed, why don't you do a little bragging? Julie was uh, reading one of the wines wineries in France that you um went to visit that you were, I mean, a very esteemed winery that you were invited inside. And she said, oh, I've been there. Why don't you tell that story, Julie? Domaine
1: de la Romani Conti. Yeah. And you were there in 2006. And I was probably there at the same exact time, except for I was on the outside taking a selfie <laughs> next to that part, that little corner where there's a mm. slate that says Domaine de la Romani Conti and taking pictures of the horse-drawn plows.
0: And JP was inside drinking.
1: Yeah. Probably I was at on the, the same, same time. <laughs> I was on the street like yeah. Oliver. More, please.
2: <laughs> Tell us about so that. That's a very funny story and <laughs> um, I'll give you the short version because if I give you the long version I could talk for like four hours about that <laughs> yeah, and I and, bet. and you and, and your audience will be will be mad at me. But um, but basically in We're already
0: the, mad at you for being there. So <laughs> <laughs> we're already mad because I was on the street taking selfies yeah. by the sign.
2: <laughs> so basically I I I have been part of um of uh, like viticultural v- groups, like oenology groups, uh, groups of tasting groups in in France for for several years, and with with one of my one of these groups, we we said at some point, okay, like DRC is is, is one of the most well regarded wines in, in in Burgundy, if not the world. So how can we how could we just visit it and try to learn and 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 enjoy the the the, the wine with with people that I that I consider really some of the gurus in the in the in the wine uh, arena. So long story short, after let's say a few iterations of exchanges with um the co owner Albert de Villene, he graciously accepted um on a visit from us from a small group. He, they usually don't take visits for, for obvious reasons, but but after a few exchanges he, he accepted that. And and it was extremely nice for for obvious reasons. Obviously, the visit itself, it's a very memorable visit. But that's when I started understanding that wine was much more about human relationships and about cooperation than than, than any other industry. I mean, again, as I mentioned at the beginning, I come from uh, other sets of industries, software, telecommunications, and banking prior to that and the competition is huge you actually you actually get killed by the competitors in in, in, in a professional way if if they can and and, and and he was so open so transparent so so nice in the visit he he hosted us himself he took us in his car to the top of the hill or he said i'm going to show you how i perceive the rc and the other uh, vineyards that, that they own surrounding DRC, he gave us that analogy with his hand. He put his hand and he said, "Listen, this is the vineyard. My hand is the vineyard. DRC is at the center of it, and then you have all of the surrounding vineyards." and And that was a visit. That was the first time, actually when I said to myself, together with an uncle of mine, who was my partner in, in, in this venture, with this life project, that's the first time that we said to ourselves, okay, if we if we love wine so much, why couldn't we make a life project out of it in order to create one of the best wines from, from, from the world? And then we came to California a few years later, and we said, yeah, this is it. So that's kind of the short version of of, of, of how that happened.
0: Well, you know, that thing says a lot about what you... Th- Think about the grapes and the wines that are coming out of this vineyard that you have. That you would have some of the best in the world, you know, in France, and then come over to Napa and say, "This is it." This I can see it. Be. Yeah,
2: yeah, I I, 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 I totally agree, and 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 that was actually something that I realized very, very quickly after visiting Napa for the first time, because not only because of the quality of the wine, because I, I believe, in Napa. You have actually uh, again that that perfect blend of two worlds, but in addition to that, you have um, the top wine professionals from the world. Obviously, I, I can bring the vision, the passion, the life project, but I don't have the professional leadership that is needed to run, operate, and, and actually um, c- create. Uh, one of the best wines from the world. So the first thing I did when I actually um, acquired the property was to look for what I call professional leadership. So it took me probably about six months to find and convince one of the top um, leaders in in the industry in California in Napa Valley, so Joshua Joshua Lowell, who accepted to join our endeavor of uh, creating one of the best wines from the from the world. And uh, he comes with 20 years of experience in, in general management. So he had been general manager of um, wineries like Futo in, uh, in Oakville, uh, Obert, in Calistoga, and before that he, he was leading a Peter Michael team. So, so that's what I call the professional professional leadership. And then he started creating his own team in terms of uh, branding, marketing, sales. Uh, obviously, reinforcing the winemaking team as well, the cellar team. So, I I, I believe we have that blessing in APA where you can find top wine professionals from 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 the world, and and they are the ones that are actually making this happening. I'm, I'm just learning from them and, and enjoying the, the the wine that this beautiful soil can actually um provide.
1: so tell me about the portfolio um just cabernet sauvignon a state cabernet sauvignon do you do anything else
2: you know that that's uh that you you read my mind that's that, <laughs> that's a very good question uh no, we 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 do bordeaux varietals in general the the soil and the weather the, the climate is such in Rutherford that that we can do. Uh, We are actually fortunate to have the five Bordeaux varietals. So they are Cabernet, Merlot, Cabernet Franc, Malbec, and Petit Verdot. However, um, well obviously most of Napa is about Cabernet Sauvignon. We are putting a very special attention to Merlot. I know Merlot has been somehow discounted these past 20, 15 years because of a variety of reasons. But Sullivan has a tradition of making one of the best Merlots ever. Actually, actually, the first wine that I tasted from Sullivan was a Merlot. It was not a Cab, and that, it, was, it was amazing. One of the so, some of the best wines in, in the world from from the Old World are actually Merlot based. So we're putting a lot of attention to Merlot. We're actually replanting 40 percent of the state because of quality topics to increase even further the quality. And we're replanting most of it to Merlot because we have seen what the state can produce in terms of Merlot and because we, we strongly believe that that is going to be able to generate and and, and, and produce the, the, the best Merlot that well, you can imagine. We're very passionate about that.
1: That's really exciting. You don't see a lot of people uh, putting a whole lot of dollars behind Merlot. Uh-uh.
2: I know. that's uh, And I believe that's that's kind of a pity because obviously Cab is, is a beautiful wine and it's mm-hmm. great. And, and it's it's what our... Deer Napa Valley produces, but I, I do believe that there has been some kind of um, market influence with some kind of PR. You know, you have that movie from yeah. 15, 20 years ago. And that. I don't even want to think but, about and, that movie. And, no. and that, has, that has actually indeed influenced, I believe, what, what, uh, what, what, what uh, growers have been doing. But when you have the right soil, the right climate, and when you dare to actually do everything at the top of the top in terms of excellence in, in winemaking uh, processes and um, uh, vines growing, etc. cetera, for Merlot, I believe you get one of the best results, which can be equally, if not better, than Cab. and that's what we're producing with our founder's reserve, uh, Merlot.
0: So um, what I want to ask you about 2020 uh, I mean, you you just get in here and you've got this beautiful winery with this this great fruit, and and two years in, we have not. It's not just the pandemic, but the fires. What are what's twenty twenty uh, looking like for you guys? Are you even doing a vintage?
2: We are actually, and uh, we well, there, there, I guess there is several elements uh, of answer to to your question, right. but but again, basically. In a nutshell, uh, we were very lucky. Uh, Mother Nature helped us a lot because we were able to uh, harvest uh, the the biggest part of our fruit before the actual big um, exposure to to fire and, and smoke. So that was the first thing, and that's, I'm really very thankful with Mother Nature. Actually, we're talking about Merlot, and and for some reason that, that, you know, sometimes you don't explain things with Mother Nature, but for some reason Merlot this year for us was, was, was very early. It was it was at the right level of ripeness and sugars and everything very early on, so we started um, we started harvesting our first Merlot late August actually, which is very uncommon. So most of our um, uh, most of our fruit, both from Merlot and Caps, were picked before the fires and the smoke. And uh, the, the, the the part that was uh, remaining, we, we still decided to pick, and as, as many wineries, colleague wineries in APA we're going to monitor that part as well to see whether that is something that can uh, actually produce uh, top wine or not. Uh, but but we believe a lot in in the capability of our winemaking processes to actually extract the best of the vines. We that that happened to us in 2017 as well as you know. And at the end of the day, as we, were we were very we were very careful. We were yeah, what we that we were tasting. We were very careful and and, and very methodological with um, with what we did. And I believe that that's the human part that can help um, adapting what sometimes nature gives us. So we were very happy with the result of the 2017, as as, um, as, as you're tasting now, and, and we are extremely confident that even the part that uh, has not uh, that that was picked after fires can produce top wines. But again, we will never compromise quality. The the top uh, motto for us is, is really the quality part. So if if at some point we see that that wine cannot produce the quality that uh, we believe that soil. Uh, the serves then 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 we're going to just produce the part of the uh wine that uh, we picked before
0: the 2017 that we're drinking, it does say that you have about 13% Petite Verdot, and that does give it some nice depth. And I'm thinking I would oh, maybe okay. decant this if I had it again. Yes,
2: you can. The, the The younger they are, the the more you can decant them in general. But but you know that that is one of the the beauties of Napa Valley as well as opposed to other other places in the old world, in the old wine world. Napa has led the way, uh, California in general, but I believe Napa has led the way in producing wines that uh, that you can drink uh, at a very young age without needing to wait for 10, 15, 20 years, and still you can age them. And that comes from that balance of tannins, but tannins that are integrated. So the tannins are one of the most important elements that tannins and, and acidity are two of the elements that help you aging a wine. So both elements are present in this type of wines, especially 2017 State Cab. Um, but they are they are. They're there in a very integrated way. The tannins are resolved, which means that you can drink them now without having that kind of aggressive uh, attack on the mouth that sometimes non-integrated tannins might have. So the actual the actual answer is you can drink it now, or later, and you can still age them. For I believe this one can be aged for ten, twelve years, fifteen years easily. Um, we 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 have tasted uh, obviously the. the also, with respect to your question about modern nature and fires, we have thoroughly tasted the 2017s, the 2020s as well, uh, all, all along the way, and, and they are evolving in a way that the, the tannins are still integrated and resolved, so you can drink and it is delicious now. But the tannins are still there with that acidity level that allow you to to age it for for 12-15 for years if you want.
1: Definitely fabulously approachable Mm. at this young age and will probably be great for many years to come. So I got to say congratulations on a really nice Cabernet Sauvignon and congratulations on landing in Rutherford, one of my favorite parts (laughs) of Napa Valley. So nice selection there. And I got to say this is like a a wonderful uh, story about, Being presented at a young age with um, good options as opposed to, like, my grandpa's white Zinfandel. (laughs) Um, And taking advantage of that and learning as much as you can and then really going for it. So congratulations.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you, both of you. And and I believe at at the end of the day, I think uh, life gives us opportunities that that we can uh, either – just ignore or take, and, and I believe one of the biggest opportunities that life has given me is the possibility of working with an amazing team uh, at the winery, led by Joshua, including our branding and sales team with with the, with Lisa, with Jeff, the winemaker, and 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 you know my my I, I have the privilege of having a a job that basically means keep learning all the time from from them. They are the ones that know and that make it all possible. So I I am very thankful to to all of them because that's that's quite unique, I believe.
1: It's also a job that keeps you on your toes, wildfires, (laughs) nature, weather.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but, you know, I I, I don't complain. I think it's been tough. It's been tough because – mostly because – and allow me to say this, mostly because um, we we live out of the contact with people that come to the valley, and those fires and uh, well the current 2020 crisis with COVID and everything are 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 obviously not helping in, in in bringing that people or in having that people over. So that's been the toughest part. The toughest part is not that much Mother Nature because we're. We're somehow thankful, thankfully we're somehow used to modern and and that's a, a, a just finding the right balance between between nature and, and human intervention. The toughest part, that hopefully this is is, is going to be over soon, is is not being that much, uh, not having the, the, those much visitors. Which again, we're very privileged because we're a very boutique winery that we can we can provide private experiences. And, and we have been providing that, that those that type of experiences, but that that is the part that um, that that we are really aiming at 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 keeping telling people. And if I may, actually take this opportunity to tell your audience, just please come to come to the valley. The valley is a beautiful place. It's a it's a beautiful weather. Uh, we we have that possibility of providing private experiences with all of the outdoors possibility. Now that we have all of this uh, health. Uh, um, situations and restrictions we have actually been able to cater very very nice high-end hospitality experiences on a private level so so please come to the valley it's a pleasure hosting you and that's at the end of the day the people that drink uh, these wines are actually the reason for, for the reason of being for for all of us
1: yeah the isolation has been not fun for any of us no. Why is it? It? thanks so much yeah. for talking with us today and believe me as soon as we can we'll be out there
2: Thank you, Jean and Jolie. I look forward to hosting you and hosting uh, all of your audience. If anyone from the audience comes to the Valley, just don't, don't, don't hesitate to let us know that that you uh, were listening to Jean and Jolie, and <laughs> For we'll, sure. we'll make sure that. Uh, that uh, <laughs> that, that we'll, we'll take that into account. Too. Just name drop us. Yeah, it's I good. love it. Juan
1: Pablo Torres
0: Padilla, he's the owner of Sullivan Rutherford Estate in Napa. Thank you so much, Juan, JP, for being with us. I've really enjoyed speaking with you today. Thank
2: you both, Gina and Jolie. I look forward to meeting you soon.
1: Great Minds is produced at WGCU Studios on FGCU campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our producer for online media is Tara Calligan. Great Minds theme music is from Kansas City band Victor and Penny. The song is You'd Be So Nice to Come Home
0: To by Cole Porter. To get in touch with us, check grapevines.org or call the grapevine and ask a wine question that we can address on a future show. That number is 707-200-3632. For Julie Glenn, I'm Gina Birch. Thanks for listening.